heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Across from me is Kent Delhousay, as always, and I'm Ben Bost. We're your hosts for this uh, ongoing conversation we've been having for, for many. We're actually celebrating or approaching our 30th episode, which is very uh, exciting for us, and we hope you've been enjoying uh, that. We are in some wild and crazy times here with coronavirus. We're seeing uh, many things change in our culture and society, and yet we're still at it, right, Kent? Never give up. Never surrender, Ben. We just keep going. And so as many, we have transitioned to Zoom and, and doing a lot of our recording that way and um, have many topics we're going to continue to discuss with you in the weeks and months to come. Uh, before we jump into our topic for today, I wanted to remind everybody about the purpose of the Growth Junkies podcast and point you back to some earlier sessions that we've done that really lay out the structure and framework for uh, the way this podcast progresses. In our earlier episodes, we, we talked through not only our stories, but we, and sharing our stories about growth and why we consider ourselves to be growth junkies, but we went through the introduction of the four dimensions of human health, which is our guiding uh, curriculum for this podcast. All the topics we're discussing, for the most part, uh, if it's not a special episode or a guest we're having on, is content we're pulling from the four dimensions. But the importance for, for our listeners to get from that curriculum is in the introduction. And we went through four different sessions on, well, not only the heart, soul, mind, strength parts of the introduction, we also talked about the value of learning, the role of love, and the process of character structuring. So if you're just jumping into this podcast now, uh, 30 episodes in, or uh, we would encourage you to go back and listen to those uh, original set of episodes we did so that you're able to understand that structure and uh, and how it informs our discussions. Anything you want to add to that, Kent? Yes. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Just an affirmation? Well, yeah. No, I mean, you, it's always helpful to know who you're listening to. And if you're new to this and you're a uh, up-and-coming growth junkie, welcome to the club, so to speak. Um, but yeah, we want you to get to know where we're coming from. And so, yeah, go back to the first few episodes. We kind of talk about our philosophy and our vision and our own stories. It'd be good to sort of start at the beginning and, uh, catch up with us. Well, so we're going to jump in today to, uh, the topic of grief and a very applicable topic right now, given our circumstances and, uh, the state of life that we're in not only just uh, here locally, but globally, given the, the pandemic and the effects that it's had on society and individual lives. And uh, so today we're going we're gonna to look at this topic of grief, which really focuses and centers on loss. And there are many people today experiencing great uh, loss in their lives, whether it's a death of a loved one from the virus or some other tragic circumstance, uh, a loss of a job due to unforeseen effects of what's happening around us uh, going on, loss of retirement, loss of purpose. We could continue to create that list extensively if we wanted to about what people are experiencing, loss of stability and 
control, focus, predictability. There's just a, a reality that has set in for everyone to try to make sense of the time that we're in. And so when people experience loss or go through that, uh, how do you deal with it? How do you, how do you work through difficult things that, that come upon you in your life that, that create a sense of loss? And that's really where grief comes in. Uh, in our Four Dimensions of Human Health, we have a quote from uh, a good friend and mentor of ours, Dr. John Townsend, that, that says, grief is the pain that cures all other pains. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he's saying that grief is a, a means by which we are able to process and work through and deal with the loss that we experience in our lives. And so that is what we want to bounce back and forth today between each other is maybe some of the ways we've dealt with loss in our own lives and, and, and learn how to grieve. But I have found, Kent, uh, personally, that grief tends to be a difficult thing for me. Uh, I know that I've heard many say that, that you really haven't experienced the fullness of the healing power of grief unless you're able to grieve with other people, which is not an easy thing for me to do. Uh, if, I, if I go specifically to crying, now I know this sounds, so we're going to talk about loss and you're going to go straight to crying. Okay, well, when you're sad and you've experienced loss, sometimes it makes you cry. And I don't do that well around others. And I would venture to say that in our listeners, out there, it's probably the same for them as well. Like it's hard. It's difficult to bring up the, the hard things, especially when you're in a society that says, Hey, you got to have it together all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say, especially the male half of the persuasion of the human race, you know, I, it's just like, you're not nurtured to do it. It's not okay to do it. You don't learn how to do it. And so I'll tell you what, we can sum up the American philosophy of grief this way. <laughs> There isn't one. <laughs> There's no philosophy of grief because we don't talk about grief and we don't do grief. We're awful at grief. And so I'll speak for myself. I didn't grieve. I didn't learn how to grieve. I didn't see grieving. I, it's, it's something that we don't do well. We stink at it. And part of it's because what you just said, Dr. Townsend said, grief is the pain that cures all other pains because grieving is painful. People don't want to do pain. You know, we're, we're kind of a hedonistic culture, you know, and, and, and hedonism at its essence is, well, totally American. It is the pursuit of pleasure and the avoidance of pain. So we don't want to do painful things. And so if grief is painful, we don't want to do it, do we? No, we want to avoid it at all costs. And so we don't do it. We don't accept it. We don't affirm it. We shut it down. When we see it, we say, you know, things like save the drama for your mama, right? Mm -hmm. Toughen up pull up your bootstraps, get over it, move on. Thick skin. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we find all kinds of new ways to not do it. So I'm no different. So I'll be the first one to admit one of the things we value here at the growth junkies is being vulnerable and open and honest. And I'll be open and honest about the fact that I didn't grieve for like 30 years. Hmm. And um, my wife would be the first one to tell you, she used to call me the tin man. <laughs> the, the tin man now now if for those of you that don't know about the wizard of oz which is probably anybody under the age of like 70 um the wizard of oz is a famous movie a famous story and in the story there's a character called the tin man and the tin man uh is the character without a heart hmm. oh it doesn't have the heart inside and so therefore by no heart means the tin man can't feel emotion so it's like a big deal 
you know, and if the Tin Man, you know, leaks or cries, it's going to, you know, make him rust. So it's part of the storyline. And so the big joke in my family specifically was that I was the Tin Man because my wife would never see me cry. Hmm. And not just not cry, just not feel. Now, I would say no. Actually, I felt a lot in about 30 years. I felt a lot of anger. Hmm. I, I call myself a one-dimensional feeler. <laughs> and and I, I'll tell you what, the more people I talk to, they can relate to that. They're like, yeah, hey, I'm an emotional person. I get angry. Well, okay, well, that's like everybody knows one emotion and that one emotion is anger. But there's a lot more on the range of emotion than just anger. One of those things would be sadness. I, I did not allow myself to feel sad. Why? Because no one wants to feel sad. No one wants to be around sad people. We want to be happy. You know, we all have people in their lives. You know, you know, the one who's like, Hey, how's your day going? Best day of my life. <laughs> Best day of my life. You know, and I say BS, you know what I mean? That's just, you just fed that stuff. What if you were to say, Hey man, I'm having a hard day. This is the worst day of my life. Hmm. And then your, your response would be to be like, well, Hey, see you then. <laughs> Sorry about that, buddy. Bad, right? <laughs> I, I don't want to hear that. So I went through, uh, in my own experience, many, many years of burying the pain mm. and not doing grief very well until I discovered the power of grief. Mm. And I have found that Dr. Townsend was absolutely correct, that you have to process your pain. And until you're willing to do that through grief, you're not going to be free from it. So all kinds of, um, all kinds of problems were developed in my life. I remember somebody telling me, and I believe this is true. They said that unprocessed grief comes out in unpredictable anger. Mm. Unprocessed grief comes out in unpredictable anger. And I can say in my own story, if you go back and listen to it, that I had um, a lot of anger come out and I didn't connect it to unprocessed grief. I didn't know that it was because I just had not processed pain in my life and had just buried it and buried it and buried it until it came out in just horrendous anger. Mm. And so I'll speak, you know, you listeners out there, you growth junkies, if you've got an anger problem, chances are it goes back to unprocessed grief. Chances are not in every situation, you know, but chances are for a lot of us, if you've got uncontrollable anger that comes out at inopportune times, unpredictable times, it's because you have unprocessed grief. You've never allowed yourself to do it. So we, I'll just say it, suck at grieving <laughs> in our culture. But you are, you are less tinny than you used to be. I am. I think I'm less metalish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do cry. I do get emotional. I would say I have a greater range of emotion I experience now. And I would be the first person to say when I'm sad, like I'm not embarrassed of that now. And one thing I do differently now is I actually stop and I grieve the hard stuff. Mm. So this is something that, that if we don't do it, it's going to cost us. I mean, there is even this um, term called delayed bereavement. Maybe you've heard of it. I haven't. Delayed bereavement is sort of the diagnosable term for people that don't grieve. And when you don't do it, there's like tremendous cost. It increases the fallout in your life. It increases stress, anxiety, depression, isolation, exhaustion, insomnia, stomach problems, heart problems, and even death. 
those are all symptoms of delayed bereavement. Meaning if you don't experience grief and sorrow, you don't let yourself go through it. You don't process it. You will die. <laughs> you will die. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end result. Yeah. I mean, eventually you will, you will kill yourself, you know, death by delayed bereavement. And I will say I was, I mean, I was at the door of death. You know, I had horrible thoughts. I even thought about ending my own life at one point. I had these deep suicidal tendencies that I was thinking about. I'd fantasize about ending it all. And that was the result of not processing the grief in my life. So I had to radically change my perspective on grief. I had to radically change my, my view on the value of grief. And, and, and I had to do a lot of study and a lot of research, a lot of reflection, and now I'm a champion of grief. I think we need to talk about it. I think it needs to be front and center. I think we need to do it. I think we need to encourage others to do it. And uh, rather than saying, snap out of it, you know, get over it. We need to say, okay, you got some painful stuff to process. Let's do it. Yeah, or viewing it as a sign of weakness. I think our culture compared to other cultures around the world and in history that actually had a value for grief could do it in a helpful way. Mm -hmm. Like if we go to the scriptures and, and we look at how uh, Jews would grieve, that they had a whole process for the way in which they would take that on. And we still, I think we still see this today in, in other nationalities and other, other cultures around the world when you see people die and they have these whole ceremonies of grief where here we do a funeral Right, and everybody's supposed to kind of grieve in their own way, but grief was very much a community thing uh, that people participated in back in history, and still even in some places around the world. Mm -hmm. I, I find that to be very interesting. You also said something that that jumped out to me that unprocessed grief shows up as anger, and for you that that happened very specifically in your life and mm -hmm. and whatever. I I I'm always amazed how how different we are and where we fall on, on other sides of the spectrum. Because even though I, I have a hard time crying around others, I'm a very emotional person as, as I think we all are, but I, I've been very sensitive and emotional for my entire life. And anger is not one of those things that would necessarily come to the surface for me. Like I don't tend to be hot to the trigger or have a short fuse or whatever, but I've, I've heard, that the other side of anger that doesn't get processed is depression, mm. which I have experienced mm -hmm. and not processing your anger, dismissing it. Hey, there's no reason to be angry about this. Nothing really happened or, or trying to make sense of it some other way. And, and I think the point is, and we've highlighted this in your story, my story, and just our general conversation about it is that emotions don't go away. Mm-hmm. They are there, they're present, and they, they visit us in a variety of different ways, and they don't just leave. And that's why it's important. We make a statement in the four dimensions that grieving is the active processing of the emotions that come with loss. Hmm. Okay, so grief is that mechanism that we have. And I, I hope that's of value to our listeners to, to hear a very clear definition and structure for the terminology of grief that it is a ability and a mechanism and a way or a tool in a sense, even a skill by which we're able to process emotion. Mm -hmm. It's good for us to be able to do it. It's not a sign of weakness. 
It's not something that even if your society and culture tells you you shouldn't do it or something's wrong with you if you have it. No, this is a tool. Yeah. And it's for a tool to help you stay healthy in your emotional life, which is one of the things that we're after as growth, growth junkies is to, to have a healthy emotional life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that tool for most people stays in the belt. You know, they don't even know it's there. It's probably like in the back of the belt and say, oh, this is a tool. Here it, time, but I don't even know what it is. Like, what is this thing? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I didn't know I had the tool. Somebody had to show me, Hey, by the way, there's this tool called grief. That is an important instrument to help you process for me, anger. And for maybe for you and others, sadness, like how, how do, how do I just process the hard stuff in my life? And so, you know, either I, you bury it or you shut it down, you hide it, you do it privately. But like you even said back in the day, mourning was something people did publicly. Oh. I mean, they actually scheduled time for this. Yeah. For us, we have a funeral and then it's like, okay, let's move on, everybody. You had the funeral, now it's time to get over it. But back then, I mean, they would like tear their clothes. They would put on this like nasty, like sackcloth, scratchy material. You know, they would pour ashes on their heads. They would shave their hair. They would fast and not eat and avoid water and they would wail and they would beat their chest and do all these public things. And in fact, there, there's evidence that when people got tired of doing those things and, and they were kind of worn out and exhausted by it, they would hire other people to do it for them and carry on for them. Like there were actually professional mourners. Yeah. Professional mourners back in the day that you would actually pay and they would schedule like, we're going to grieve for so many days and then we're going to. We're going to say that's it. But anybody who's grieved knows that there's an emotional toll that it takes. And there is a point where you sort of exhaust it. It kind of runs its course. But that's not our problem. Our problem in, in Western culture in America is not that we let you know, grief run its course, is that we cut it off. We ne- almost never let grief run its course. And so here's the thing about grief. There's no timing to it. One person might grieve, and depending on what the loss is, they might grieve for a few hours or a few days or a few weeks. Others, it's months and years. And, and, and you and I, we would agree. There are different, like I might grieve like um, a financial burden, you know, and be like, gosh, I just took a hit financially. My, my, my retirement portfolio is down because of the coronavirus. And then somebody else might be losing a loved one who passes, and, and that hit is much bigger. And they're going to feel it much longer and deeper. So one of the things we screw up in, 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 in regards to our suckiness of, of dealing with grief is that we put a specific time frame on what is an appropriate form of grief for everybody, no matter what the loss is. And so, man, we have got to allow ourselves to have flexibility when it comes to how we grieve and how long it is. You know, we've just got to allow ourselves to feel the freedom to let the grief run its course, whether it's a few hours, a few days, a few months, or a few years. Wouldn't you agree, Ben? Uh, And I I go to a very interesting statement from Jesus that we have in our four dimensions about grieving in a healthy way. So for any of you who are interested in the Bible or have read it a bunch, um, Jesus actually talks a lot more about happiness than people realize. Uh, we just don't recognize the words he uses. One of those words is the word blessed. Mm-hmm. And there's this amazing sermon called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And in Matthew 5, 4, he says, 
God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted, right? A path to happiness, the, the, the truth and reality behind some of this is someone who knows how to grieve knows how to do that because the end byproduct is it's for their well-being. Mm-hmm. Right? We find happiness, that stability of happiness, not some fleeting uh, emotional kind of cotton candy type thing, but a real stable type of happiness that's cultivated by having skill sets that we've developed. One of them is grief. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, you want to be a happy person, you have to know how to mourn, know how to grieve. Isn't that crazy? Because that's one of those upside down things that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mountain. One of them is basically happier are those who are unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a little strange. Or who know how to be unhappy for a period of time for the right purposes. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. In fact, um, I think even Solomon got at this in Ecclesiastes, where he talks about how it's actually better to go to a funeral than to a party. <laughs> And, you know, it sounds weird, but honestly, because at a funeral, everything gets into perspective. There's something healthy about taking the time to mourn. And so what's fascinating is in that passage you just mentioned in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uses a word for mourning or grieving. It's the word pentheo. And it's actually, there are, there are nine different words in the Greek that they use to describe mourning. Nine. They had a range of descriptions for mourning because it was such a big deal. It was so primary. But this word pentheo is the strongest of all of them. Mm. So Jesus actually said, blessed are those or happy are those who grieve in the biggest, worst way possible. In other words, those who take the time to really feel the hit. Because the reality is if you're willing to go through that, and process that pain and have sorrow over that loss, it's a faster way to returning to happiness. It is the, really the only way to get back to a place of health. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say something here that I think I'm going to take, make the assumption that every one of us has had some experience in our life where we've been hit so hard by something, whether we would say we're good at grief or not, where you've just found yourself, whether it was with someone else or by yourself, you found your, yourself in a place where you're just aching mm-hmm. and crying, dealing with something difficult, and it, it kind of overtook you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when you exit something like that, because I've certainly had an experience like that, whether it was with somebody or not with somebody, and on the back end, you go, man, that felt really good. Mm-hmm. I feel relieved. I feel like there's, I don't have to deal with that any longer. We use a term referring to a variety of things that we talk about uh, from four dimensions and uh, with our podcast, the term of metabolizing, Mm -hmm. like grief is a way of metabolizing loss, processing it, moving through it, drawing from it, what is good and getting rid of what is the not good or the bad or, or the things that we just have to want to do away with. And so I think every one of us probably has some experience in life where, where you were just pushed into it so hard mm-hmm. that it, it, it forced you in a place of grief, whether you would go there willingly or not. Yeah. Right? I think we've all, we've all probably encountered something like that. Well, that's what happened to me. I, I was drawn into grief. I didn't know how to do it and it was forced out or it came out. Like it came to a breaking point. So either you allow yourself to let it out or somebody else draws it out of you or a group of people draw it out of you. But it is, listen, grief is catharsis. Jesus knew that and that's why he commended it. It actually is, it is the remedy to the pain 
You know, it's the pain that cures all of the pains because when you allow yourself to feel that kind of pain, it wipes out all those other ones. So it, it is a release. I mean, even the word pentheo, I think of the word pent up, like we have pent up emotion and it's like letting air out of a, a really full balloon. Mm-hmm. You've got to let some air out. Now, all my air came out of the balloon at once and it was pretty amazing. It was, it was loud and it was awful. And, you know, but I tell you what, I did feel relief afterwards. I felt exhaustion, but boy, oh boy, did I feel a pent up emotion let out of my life. And then I was free to actually fill my life with happiness, to fill my life with perspective. So there is actual neuroscientific research on, on, on the power of grief in our lives that, that we actually can, can let go emotionally of, of the painful things in our lives when we take the time to have sorrow and to grieve them. So this is really a challenge to those who want to be growth junkies. If you want to grow, you got to get healthy and you can't get healthy unless you're willing to grieve unless you're willing to go through the process of processing your pain. And so there are so many people, Ben, so many people out there that just do not allow themselves to grieve. And we've skipped it. We've, we've gone past it and we're suffering the fallout because of it. So in our final like few moments, what are good practices? I think it would be helpful for us to give our growth Mm -hmm. junkie listeners some good practices or just, uh, best practices would be a better way to say it of, of grieving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause and I, I'll, I'll throw the first one out there. You don't want to grieve with just anyone. Right. Right. You got to have people that you trust in your life that if you're going to bring something hard uh, to the table and you trust them to, to carry it with you, uh, we got to be wise about who we do that with. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you have someone in your life that you you feel like you can go to. And if something is going on, that's really hard and you want to share it and, and break it down a little bit mm-hmm. that you have somebody there that can do that with you. Uh, we don't want to just do it with whoever. Yeah. And I would add to that. Um, uh, don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say, you know, I process my grief and sorrow privately. And I would say, I respect that. And I think that does serve a place. And I do think absolutely there's healing, you know, in going to God directly and and doing that privately. However, there is also, there's even biblical evidence, like in the book of James, it says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. And that's true on every level. Mm -hmm. That healing is also emotional and mental. And the reality is that by sharing our stories with other people in the context of others, even neuroscientifically, there's these mirror neurons that fire. Mm. When we look at somebody else and we process our emotion with others, there's just a freedom and a healing that comes in doing with other people. So yes, choose safe people, choose the right people, but do it with others. And so there's amazing power in doing it with another person or a group of people. So highly commend grieving in public. And by that, I mean with other people. Yeah. And one of the benefits of it is you realize you're not alone. Yeah. When you agree with others, it makes uh, sense in, in, in a way of the whole process that others are experiencing this too. Mm-hmm. I'm not by myself in this. Yep. I think we saw that as a country uh, during 9-11 and the catastrophe and the loss of life and how it hit the entire country in a sentiment of, I mean, what do we have in the United States at most? We lower the flag to half mast when something really bad happens. It's like, that's to highlight how we've talked about already that 
in the Western societies, particularly in America, we're not great at this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a moment that I can think of. Pearl Harbor was probably the same, I would guess. Just this massive weight that visited everyone. Like if you yeah. were alive and you had emotions at that time, you felt it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would add one more thing to this. I would say, I think a lot of people sort of know it's there. Like they feel it, what you just described, this sort of shock, you know, and hurts, but they don't know how to verbalize it. Yeah. They don't know what it is and how to communicate it. And I would say a third thing you can do, and it's really important is to learn the language of grief, hmm. to learn the language of grief, which is to express what it is and how it makes you feel. I feel sad. I am devastated. Hmm. It hurts so much. Something about verbalizing it and articulating it with other people gives you a voice for what you're feeling inside. And and the thing is, if you can speak it and bring it into the light, so to speak, then you can sort of strip it of its power in your life and, and it can bring healing. And so a lot of people don't have the verbiage to be able to express their grief. They don't know what the words are for their emotions. And I would encourage you, if you don't know growth junkies, learn the language of the emotional spectrum and to be able to express what you're feeling and to find the words to communicate it. It will, it will do wonders for the release of your emotions and also to help others invite them into your processing. Yeah. And I think to go with that is potentially a last thing, just like there's a language to grief. There's also stages of grief. Mm-hmm. There's been tons of research done on this that you, if you simply go out and search uh, on the interwebs, you will find like, uh, and, and anyone will give, depending on who it is, anywhere between five to seven stages of grief, mm-hmm. um, often beginning with uh, denial. And then you kind of move through and then anger, like there's these, these uh, markers that you go through as you're grieving. And so I think it's valuable to one, have healthy people we can do it with, know the language and be mm-hmm. able to bring uh, articulation to it, but also to know that there's going to be a process that happens here. There's going to be stages that we go through yeah. and uh, those can be uh, helpful things for learning how to use the tool, developing the skill, mm-hmm. you know, to close, I would just, for me, I would just share a quick thought. Like whenever I tell my personal story, I do it in the form of a blue toolbox. And I'm basically referencing uh, that when I got to a certain stage in my life, I had to open my toolbox and see what tools I had and realizing obviously that uh, I didn't have very good tools for living and processing life. Well, in the midst of, of illustrating a lot of this, I end up bringing out uh, a construction tool called a Sawzall, which with any blade can cut through anything. <laughs> it's an amazing tool to have if you do construction work. And ultimately over time, I realized that love and people provided me that kind of tool in my life. And grief, I think, is a very powerful tool. When you understand that it's there, you might not recognize it at the start, but when you begin to learn to use it, it's incredibly helpful. It can cut through anything potentially. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Kent? Um, you know, I just think this is so important. I think this is, this is one of the first steps, honestly, when it comes to getting healthy so you can grow. And for a lot of people, I think it begins with grief. And so like you said, the stages of grief, you've got to go through all of them. And I think a lot of us stop at the first one. Denial, denial, denial. Stop denying. Start there, but don't end there. Right. Yeah. 
Well, Growth Junkies, we're grateful for you. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Love and Transformation Institute, you can do so at loveandtransformation.org. And also, if you don't have a copy of The Four Dimensions of Human Health, you can purchase it on Amazon. We thank you for joining us today and we look forward to being with you next time.